Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? It's good. I'm doing well, Scott. I hope you had a good and relaxing weekend. I had the weekend off because the Chiefs had a bye. So. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, and we, we, <laughs> we were just learning where uh, you spent those extra hours over the right. weekend. I, I watched a professional pickleball tournament, <laughs> the finals. All of I got seats in the uh, glorious and glamorous uh, second row of okay. the A A P P Hilton Head whatever e pickleball finals. Okay. Um, Best $12.25 I've ever spent on a sporting event. Wow. Seriously, it was very entertaining. Up and coming game, really. <laughs> I got a que- I got a question for you. Sure. Uh, is it uh, kosher? Is it sweet? Is it uh, bread and butter? What style of pickleball are we talking about oh, here? Wow, what, it's pretty spicy, whatever it is, because, <laughs> uh, man, they hit the ball hard. And, okay. Um, yeah, and you're, you know you're standing like six feet apart and just hammering the ball at one another, and it's a wiffle ball, so it okay. isn't as fast as a tennis ball or baseball when you hit it, but still, and it's loud it's too, right? Pretty quick. It it's is kind of loud when you hit the ball. Yeah, it is very loud, and uh, man, they are athletes. I mean, there's one girl who may have gotten an inadvertent nickname. I called her Bubble Gum because she chewed gum and blew bubbles. She was probably 15 years old the whole time. She was playing. She was chewing gum and blowing bubbles like it was just man you know, second nature for her. It was very <laughs> impressive. All right, so we're gonna have to check it out. And folks, if you had not heard of pickleball yet, I'm telling you, it has been a sport. It's been building for a couple of years now, yeah. And uh, it is quite the rage coast to coast. So, uh, Greg, next time we'll send a our uh, a video team down there, and and you can do uh, an on the on the court report. How about that? So they were streaming live, believe it or not, kind of like wow. this. They had okay. a camera that followed the ball, which I don't know how the heck it did it. It's so okay. fast. Well, um, hey, more to come. Uh, yeah. Check out the 11, the 11 p.m. edition tonight for uh, all the pickleball uh, cover-to-cover coverage you can you can Everything take. you want to know about <laughs> professional pickleball. Well, hey, welcome today here. Aside from pickleball, it's all about the supply chain buzz where we share some of the leading stories across global business every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. We got a, a full slate here today. We're going to be talking about a variety of topics. Uh, so stay tuned. And Greg, as always, we want to hear from you. So folks, uh, get your point of view, your POV ready to share and drop that in uh, the, the chat, the comments, the cheap seats, the sky boxes, you name it. That's one of our favorite parts here. Um, okay, so Greg, we're going to say hello to a few folks in just a second. But before we do that, uh, I want to share just a couple of things, a couple of re- you know, we love sharing resources around here, right? And Indeed. one of those resources is one of my favorites. Is, it is. Uh, you know, we've been covering the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index for years now. And the third quarter 2022 edition just came out just um, uh, oh, well, a week or two ago. Chock full of insights on the domestic freight market. And you know what, Greg? The best part about it is it's free. 
folks, y'all can go to freight.usbank.com and sign up to get that edition. It'll be emailed to you every quarter. Uh, Greg, what was one of your favorite parts from the third quarter uh, freight payment index? There were no favorite parts. Lots of warnings and, um, you know, uh, I think, of course, U.S. Bank can't do this, but I think some things foretelling the future. So it's definitely worth a look. Uh, definitely need to get ready for disruption. I just read another article. It seems we're only uh, one quarter removed from saying we're not in a freight recession. Right. And I just saw another article saying we are most definitely in a freight recession. <laughs> so. Well, Check it out. Uh, it looks like the team just dropped a link in the comments. And uh, you can also find, uh, I think just last week, we published a replay of our uh, live conversation uh, uh, diving into the freight payment index. So y'all check that out too. Okay. Uh, speaking of other resources, I want to share this one as well. Uh, with that said, our LinkedIn newsletter uh, just hit, uh, just dropped on Saturday. And Greg, I just had to share, um, we, we really tackled the business of Halloween right in this yeah. latest edition um so some things you don't know about the business side of halloween check that out but this is this image here is uh from a couple of halloweens ago and it was one of our favorite amanda and i still get tickled uh seeing our three kids here uh dress up as characters from inside out uh you've seen that movie out, greg okay. oh. never, seen, never even heard of it okay <laughs> well so basically these are personalities that uh make up like uh, Ben, obviously, is the angry and the passionate personality, right? Uh, Gracie on the right-hand side right here is the, is the despair, the sad personality. And, of course, Brantley is the uh, – I'm sure in her mind she's the star of the show, uh, if you can't tell with, with how happy she is right there. But, hey, the all that is – Right? So is this uh, like – I don't know what is this. Is this like inside a kid kind of – Yes, something oh, like that. okay. It's been a little while since I've seen the I saw the movie as well, but yeah, Inside Out it's an animated film, and it uh, it's basically you're peering into the mind of all these different personalities um, battle each other, uh, as I recall. It's been it's been a few years. Okay, but more importantly, check out our uh, newsletter. With that said, uh, drops every Saturday. Uh, we've got almost seventeen thousand subscribers, and we try to make this a little different content than, than what you get from our podcasts and live streams and and you name it. So y'all check that out. I think we're going to drop the link. Yeah. Join the tens chat. of thousands of your fellow <laughs> LinkedIn, uh, right. Members. And I, it's unbelievable how that thing has grown so fast. Hey, it's a place to be. It's for the cool kids like Greg white. Uh, so y'all check out with that said one last thing, then we're going to say hello. we got some, some, uh, old friends in the comment. Um, so today, of course, Greg is Halloween. And, uh, I made a call out there uh for team shots only got one only got one but it's a good one i'm gonna share it here this is uh this is the midkiff family this is amanda's family from i don't know early 90s <laughs> they broke out their crayola costumes and you'll see this this is amanda right here and her brother ramsey and of course her parents fred and val and how about fred being a um being a quite a sport did you ever dress up as a green crayon gregory i did not no. no, I never thought of a crayon. That is an, I mean, that's a genius and seems relatively easy, right? Costume. Well, uh, Amanda, as, as I think she shared with us, will give you the rest of the story as uh, the one only Paul Harvey used to say, 
and that may have included may have included an adult beverage and a fine uh, cigar as they uh, did their trick or treat rounds. But I'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> yes. It may in our in our family it may have involved a well stocked radio flyer with extra bags for the kids and a few beverages for the. I <laughs> love that. I'm sure parents are going to be stealing that strategy uh, all day. Uh, or I'm all sure evening. they have for decades now. Yes. That's right. Um, okay. So we'll say hello to some folks. Clay Phillips, old diesel, uh, says happy buzz day. Good to see you there. Uh, Clay. Love to see that. Gary Smith. He, he, you know, so Gary, if you have caught this, Greg, uh, he has officially retired and forever he's wanted to move to St. Simon's Island down here in Georgia, ah. and he has made that happen, and that is wonderful. And I think also Gary published his first, not his first white paper, but maybe his first one since being retired, kind of on the other side. So, Gary, you'll have to share that with us. Just down the coast. That's right. So, welcome to the beautiful. <laughs> low country, right? Yeah. Well, it's, I don't think it's technically called low country in, in Georgia. It is in South Carolina, I think. The Golden yeah, Isles, yeah. maybe? All the same. Bunch of barrier okay. islands. Super cool. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Going to be 76 today. Here, oh, by the way. man. So, yeah. Jealous. Right. Daniel, hello to you. Uh, he says, from a beautiful Boston Halloween day. Daniel, great to see you here today. Always appreciate your perspective. Hey, great to see you, Gregory, via LinkedIn. Let us know. Great to have you back. I know you've joined us previously. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Hey, Glorimar from Chile, Los Chile, Angeles. LA. How about yeah. that? Uh, yeah. Gormar, great to have you here. Uh, Catherine, of course, big thanks to Catherine, Amanda, Chantel, the whole production team behind uh, today's live stream. I think our people really love that name, that whole buzz day. Hey, is there any other? what they're doing on the weekend, folks. <laughs> uh, say, odd. great to see you here via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Looking forward to your perspective. Uh, Terso says, hello from Guatemala, Central oh, America. Yes. The land of eternal spring. I love that, Greg. Have you heard of that before? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, down there. And then we've got some folks. Um, so this is a LinkedIn setting. If you ever, if you see, if you comment, and you see this, and you show up as LinkedIn user, that's just something you can change on your LinkedIn. Good evening from India. Hello so to you. You should charge LinkedIn <laughs> for advertising when you do that. I really uh, maybe you. maybe so. Maybe I should. Yeah, that's a new new business that's line. Great idea. We still get on that. <laughs> Natalie, great to see you from Charlotte. Great, Always great to have you in these conversations. Happy Halloween to you as well. Uh, we dropped in, as I mentioned, uh, with that said, the direct link. Y'all check that out. Subscribe so you don't miss that weekly. Uh, Shashi is back with us from Dubai via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Shashi. And old GP, uh, Gene Pledger from Northern North Alabama, is back with us here. Good morning to you. Okay, Greg. I know we couldn't hit everybody. I'll keep it coming. We're going to reference as much of, um, of the comments as we can. And by the way, Gary says, yes, it's a golden Isles. Golden Isles. I, I was thinking Gold Coast, but that's Chicago. Golden yes. Isles. That's what they call it in Georgia. That's right. Yes. Uh, hey, Sheldon uh, says, I should share a pic of my accounts receivables. It's pretty scary. Happy <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> uh, Adrian uh, dressed up as a reptile from Mortal Kombat, one of the legendary games, video games of all time. And uh, finally, Kim Winter. Great to see you from Dubai. The one and only Kim Winter is here with us in the house. Great to see you, Kim. He could actually dress up like a rugby player because yes. he's probably still got the uniform. I bet he does too. Kim, let us know. 
Better yet, send us a picture. Or yeah, have for to. any of you who don't know, he is a mountain of a man. I mean, <laughs> uh, you can see the rugby player when you see him. If you've ever seen any of his pictures around the world, right, Scott? I would have never guessed. Right? Not only is he a mountain of a man. From kind of here up, it's hard to figure <laughs> out what they look like. He is a giant. And when he's not being a mountain of a man, he's moving mountains across industries. So y'all check you. out. <laughs> check out Good Winner. Okay, so Greg, we got to get to work here, man. Yeah. Uh, we have got, I think, five stories is what we're going to uh, jump into. And we're starting. Yeah, get ready. Buckle up. We are starting with this story, Greg. Um, you sparked quite a discussion uh, last week as you were talking about uh, on one of your uh, thrice weekly supply chain commentaries every Monday, yeah. Wednesday, Friday. Um, and you sparked quite a discussion on this one. I think this might have been from last Friday or last Wednesday. This focused on the effort underway to transform the U.S. lithium supply chain. So tell us more about this, Greg. Yeah, well, there's two things that struck me. First um, was what I stated in kind of the opening statement of the summary, which is on LinkedIn, by the way, if you want to see it. And um, a few thousand of your uh, fellow LinkedIn members have have looked at it and commented on it. and that is, are we trading one environmental disaster for another, mm. right? And the other is um, sort of the fool's errand that it is for the, this is pr- particularly about the United States, right? But the fool's errand that it is for the United States to try to produce lithium because the United States holds only 3.6% of all of the lithium stores, all of the lithium that exists on the planet. Hmm. In fact, the two most prominent countries are Chile, who has about 71%, and Argentina, Vamos Azules, uh, who has, uh, is second at 21% of, of the stores. And, um, and it's a very environmentally destructive method by which you mine lithium. And, and by the way, to that point, the way you mine the other rare earth elements that go into semiconductors. So we've, right. had, that dis- we've had that discussion over the last several years or weeks, sorry. Um, So my call out in the article is really for us just to not be uh, in such a rush to try to, uh, to try to accumulate all of this, this raw material so that we do exactly the same thing that we've done with fossil fuels. We don't Mm -hmm. think about the implications of fossil fuels, right? Um, Just like I, I prefer we not, fail to think about, not fail to think about, not fail to think about the implications of all of this incredibly destructive mining that's required to do this. And I know a lot of people, they could really give a sh- about Chile or Argentina. I happen to care. I still have family there. Um, so, um, you, you know, let us not shove, shove this off onto some th- couple of third world backwaters as most people see those countries. Mm. And unfortunately, largely true, especially in the case of Argentina, uh, mm. seem to have a government who is all at once inept, corrupt and teetering on destruction at all times. So kind of the uh, what should we call that? The trifecta. But in any case, I think we just need to keep our eyes open, make sure that we are um, avoiding creating further environmental disaster in a rush to try and find alternative energies. Mm. So that's the largest part of it. There's a lot more um, we can go into, and you can see what some of the discussions have been. 
um, interesting that few people from that I know anyway from um, South America have sounded off on this. But, uh, you know, the, I think we have to be conscious that some of this is political pandering because mm. it's popular um, and not well thought out because, well, they're politicians. They don't know any better. Um, <laughs> poor guys, you just feel so sorry for them. And they're all lawyers, too. That's the other thing, right? How can they be so naive and mm. uh, yet be lawyers? Uh, anyway. But I, I think it's a good discussion to have. I mean, let me just one quote I want to read here. So Venkat Srinivasan, who is the director of the Argonne Collaborative Center for Energy Storage and Science. Okay, the Argonne National Laboratory is our top laboratory for these all kinds of scientific initiatives in the okay. United States. And he's, his statement is, where is the supply? We don't make electrode materials. We don't make materials that go into the rest of the battery, and we don't process the minerals. We don't even mine them. Mm. That, that is his response to this multi-billion-dollar initiative on which the federal government has plowed billions into companies to try and generate, almost to manifest um, out of the ether, uh, right. lithium for these batteries. You know, and one of the challenges that, or one of the potential solutions, this is what I believe about semiconductors as well, is we need to find synthetics or create synthetics for how we create batteries. It makes me think back all the way to the 90s, Scott, when um, I had a friend, uh, Steve Weber, who worked at a company called Air Technologies, A-E-R Technologies, and they were trying to make an Air, A-I-R, battery. Okay. Somehow used I don't know, nitrogen or whatever to try and create storage capacity for cell phones and, and cars and even back then electric vehicles. So there are initiatives underway. There need to be more. And we need to, rather than try to strip the earth of yet another natural resource, we need to find alternatives or generate synthetics that can do the task. I like that. Um, in, in some ways, it's like asking the Chicago White Sox to go play a game of football. Uh, in the Super Bowl, right? We've got to be smarter and savvier about Using this. Using Moneyball statistics for football, about right. as useful. What's, <laughs> right. what's Patrick Mahomes' on-base percentage? Who cares? <laughs> Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Right. Well, really enjoyed that. We, again, folks, we dropped a link in there. We'd love to get your take. So y'all can use that link to tunnel over to LinkedIn, and you'll see other perspectives of folks that comment and own uh, that supply chain commentary. And again, follow or connect with Greg. Uh, for those every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Okay, a couple of quick comments here. So Gregory, um, he you know, asked where he's from. He's tuned in from Trinidad in the sunny oh. tropical Caribbean. I love yes, that. Yes, beautiful. Uh, Joe is from Windsor, uh, probably Canada. Windsor, Canada, Windsor, right? Canada, yeah, right across yeah. from Detroit. Been Great there many team. times as a kid for the uh, tour of okay. their local beverage plant okay, <laughs> okay. uh and carl Please is continuing <laughs> he's continuing the halloween theme the merge is scary enough for most folks and hello from tampa florida good point there uh carl great to have you here today okay so speaking of perfect segue carl you're right on the money here perfect segue because greg we're going to talk about uh kind of the business side of halloween and in particular we're going to be talking about um, what the 2022 Halloween may look like in Halloween supply chain planning. So I enjoyed this article from our friends over at Forbes. So check this out, Greg. 
Our uh, John Gold and our friends at the National Retail Federation, mm-hmm. NRF, is projecting that a record $10.6 billion will be spent on Halloween supplies this year. It's a whole bunch of Twix. I know that. Uh, but in order to successfully capitalize on all that business, of course, an organization has to bring its A game when it comes to, in particular, supply chain planning. You know, for example, when it comes to Halloween candy, a lot of companies have only six, seven, eight weeks to plan and execute a successful Halloween strategy between sourcing, making, warehousing, fulfilling. Oh, yeah, we got to sell it, right? Selling it. Don't, let's not forget to do that. Because come November 1st, as we all know, the day right after Halloween, that all that ghost-themed candy and, and seasonal Halloween items loses a ton of its worth and value. And it also takes up tons of space as well. Lots of discounting. We know some of the best deals to get on Halloween stuff is on November 1st. So in this article, uh, Gartner touts real-time visibility of stock availability across all channels, right? That's been all the rage for years now, uh, especially for, for companies that really get that visibility across all channels and act on it. And uh, IDC survey data shows inventory management is a top five priority for retail supply chains with leaders doing big things in that space now and planning on spending a whole bunch of money in the years ahead. So that's enough of my key takeaways on this subject. Greg, what are some of your thoughts here? This is some of the hardest product in retail, in supply chain to to predict because you can't use last year and you can't use the year before. You can't even use the combined two years because the data doesn't reflect what's going to happen this year because we were under exceptional circumstances. And in fact, you're better off not ever using the history of this kind of thing. You have to understand the influences. And I think companies are doing a better job, or at least this article shares that they are attempting to do a better job of understanding what are the influences that are going to cause people to be more active, more have have already caused them, by the way, because Halloween is effectively over, right, um, from, a, from a commerce standpoint. Right. Um, has caused them to buy so much. I'm curious whether it will be that high. I think the combination of the obvious downturn in the economy, economy although the GDP last quarter was up 2.6%, mostly okay. on price increases, not on unit volume, but and the fact that inflation has hit so dramatically and continues to persist, right? I, I wonder if people aren't tightening the belt. I don't know. We've, I think we'll see... <laughs> Some tonight. I can tell you that my granddaughter got to do a little bit of uh, Halloweening, okay, um, trunk or treating. If you've seen those, I love it when like uh, malls and churches and other people do safe trick or treating in their parking lot or in the mall or whatever. Uh, and it's really cute when you got a little kid doing it. Right? <laughs> well, they don't have to walk as far and they don't get as cranky. <laughs> Harder to get the radio flyer and uh, the backup beverages into a church parking lot. Very true. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I think this is this is really critical, but I think it also goes to a point um, that I can't even believe we're talking about inventory management. I think people envision inventory management. The term inventory management is meaning something much greater than it is. All it is is counting inventory. Mm. It's it's what's typically called perpetual inventory in a store. The automatic um, accretion and and uplift and downturn of your inventory as things sell or or come into the store right um and it's table stakes has been table stakes for retail for decades i mean i worked for a retailer in the early 90s 
that had perpetual inventory. We knew precisely what we had. Now, not always in real time, right? but that this is still an area where companies need to spend is frankly very concerning to me. This is something that should be handled. Uh, I see why not at maybe manufacturing level. Right. Um, it's definitely mission critical at retail level. So if you haven't done it, if you don't know what you have, good Lord, please do yep. something soon. Catch up, catch up. Well, yeah. you know, uh, so Party City, and the article spoke just a little bit. So Party City, wow, of course, is open. Spent, right? Yes. Well, they're open all year long, right? But yeah. Halloween is their biggest season of all. I was a little bit surprised with peak. that. Right. Right. Um, they also, in fact, to handle a lot of um, the Halloween volume, they purchased a contract manufacturer that focuses on the costumes and plastics going to that. Uh, I think in Malaysia, I can't remember which country that was in. Um, and I think to what you were alluding to, what, 20,000? How many, how many How many seasonal employees do they bring on? I mean, it's amazing. employees, yeah. Wow. Um, so uh, parties, and, and I didn't realize that they were they're behind some of the pop-up shops that we've seen. You know, they'll be in business for, you know, three weeks or a month or whatever to right. take advantage of, of uh, all the goodies. So um, interesting. I love the business behind some of these holidays because there's so much in uh, consumers blind spot. Less maybe than there was a couple years ago, but there's so much. It's fascinating. It really is. Um, all right. So I want to go back to a couple of things. Um, get a couple of comments on what we were talking about a minute ago, which your comments around lithium supply chain. Glormar says, uh, can't agree with you more, Greg. We are definitely solving one problem with another. No balance. Or Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Gary says, great comment, Greg. We need to find synthetic alternatives for scarce resources. Great insight. And, and also Gary dropped his white paper link. I appreciate that. Always good stuff coming from Mr. G. Interesting. All, all discussions around China are very interesting right now because as their economy collapses, and it is an absolute collapse, they are becoming more dictatorial and aggressive, right? So um, as if China was not a big enough danger, right, as their population ages and their ability to maintain growth in their yes. economy reduces, they are going to become more and more dangerous, just like all unstable companies, mm. countries do, like Russia. Right. And we're going to touch on some of the uh, volume shifts to your point here, I think, in our fourth or fifth article here today. So stay tuned for that. I can't wait to get Greg talking China. Um, okay. And then finally, back to the Halloween story. Lots of stuff to tackle here. Adrian says that when he worked in distribution, Halloween inventory needed to start exiting no later than mid-October to one week prior. He managed capacity in a 1.6 million square foot facility. Wow, that's big. That's a lot of candy. How about that? Uh, capacity management and inventory management sound alike, but they're two very different beasts. Excellent. excellent that point. is an excellent statement right there. They are. And each of them very, very tight niches, right? I think. I've seen it because I was in a different area of supply chain, um, well, supply chain planning and right. all of that. And often that gets confused with inventory management, which is really just a count of what's on the shelves. Mm. All right. So we're going to move straight from uh, Halloween supply chain planning, Halloween, the business of Halloween, to a, um, a story that's picked up some steam, no pun intended here, in the last <laughs> few weeks. Eh? Um, so, Greg. <clears throat> quick update on this potential rail strike, right? Uh, so let me share a couple of items here. So as reported by CNBC, 
two labor unions now have voted against the labor agreement that had been brokered by a variety of parties to include the White House. More votes from other unions are, are still to come. Now, a general agreement amongst all parties has been made to keep the status quo, right? keep things moving in terms of the operation of the railroad industry while these negotiations continue. Now, as I did last time we talked about this story, Greg, I reached out to a childhood friend of mine. I'm not sure how many folks out there know a, uh, an engineer, a railroad engineer they can just reach out to and kind of get their take. So I thought it was pretty cool. So I'm going to call this friend of mine Ted, right, and protect his anonymity, if I can say that right. Anonymity. All right. So this made me think of Finding Nemo there. Oh, gosh. No kidding. That's a great flick, by the way. So Ted is a railroad engineer and has been in the industry all of his adult life, right? I remember him as a kid. He loved everything related to trains. So it's really cool to see someone, you know, find their, you know, know what they want to do and do it. Now, his union hasn't voted yet. Uh, they expect to get their ballots later this week. And he said he's leaning towards voting for the proposal, mainly because he doesn't think the deal is going to get any better. So it's as good as, as it's gotten. And he especially likes the back pay and the bonuses, right? I, I think he mentioned he's got a potential to get a, a big check before the holidays uh, if the deal is indeed passed and, of course, executed. Now, when I asked him about the likelihood of a strike, Ted says that the signs in his shop, at least, already have been made. And the planning in terms of where they're going to do it and how they're going to do it, already been done. So, Greg, uh, your thoughts on a uh, potential railroad strike and, and how these negotiations uh, are playing out? I mean, don't you feel like we ought to have Kelly Barner here? I mean, she talked about this at great length, and she's got some great articles about this that she's posted, or some discussions that she's posted on. LinkedIn as well, but a number of things come to mind in no particular order, kind of stream of consciousness. We're starting to get tough. Labor's starting to get tough just in time for layoffs, huge, enormous numbers of layoffs throughout the economy. Um, and and um, it, I thought of it as kind of a labor uh, whiplash effect, right? Labor asks for more money just as companies are going to start laying people off. Uh, you know, the other is that it only takes a couple of these unions, right? To to our, our how many parts does it take to make an F one fifty? All of them, <laughs> right. right? How many how many railroad unions does it take to keep railroads running? All of them. So it only takes a couple of them to hamstring the the railroads, uh, railroad um, logistics. Um, and I, I think there are just so many. Uh, other considerations. I, I like Ted's take. Yeah, I'm going to vote yes, but we're ready if it's no. Yeah. We'll talk about supply chain preparation, right? They haven't even had the vote yet, and they've <laughs> already got the signs. And, right. and where, which corner you stand on, Ted, <laughs> right? So um, I, I don't know. I mean, this is not an area of my deep expertise. It's just an area of grave concern. Um, and I have to tell you, even when the White House declared victory. Guess who? Guess who warned us not to celebrate too early? Kelly Barner. That's right. Because not all of the votes had been taken yet. So you got to wait. A, it, it's a uh, very ten, uh, precarious. I was going to say tenacious. Very precarious situation. You know, um, whenever I hear the word tenacious. It always reminds me instantly of Jack Tenacious Black. D. Yes, yeah. Jack Black and his buddy, 
that had that uh, that band yeah. <laughs> back in the nineties. Um, well, hey, stay tuned for more. Um, it, it is, I think it's you know, Greg, much like you, I am not a railroad expert. Uh, I love being able to reach out to an engineer that's been in his whole life. That's fascinating to me. I love doing an interview with Ted. We'll see if we can't work on that. But um, stay tuned as this thing continues to develop, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Um, all right. I'm going to catch up on a couple of quick comments. Uh, by the way, thank you, Gregory, is sharing a resource there as it relates to a global standard for track, track and trace in multimodal modal transport. Fascinating. Check that out. Thank you for sharing, Greg. Uh, yeah, we did really the, valuable. Yeah. We, dra- we dropped the uh, article for the um, story we just tackled a second ago, and Daniel's taking it back to China. Uh, Daniel says, Greg, spot on about rising China tensions. Just look at the new U.S. military strategy released recently. Number one, identified threat, China, more than Russia. This will have, Daniel says, is having big impacts on global supply chains. Completely Mm -hmm. agree. Excellent point. And I think Daniel is an expert, amongst other things, in risk mitigation, risk management, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Good stuff there, Daniel. Yeah, I want to see that article. Yeah, that's right. So pass that along, Daniel. Uh, We'll keep the resources. Put the link in that post, right? Oh, um. We will find out. We'll see. All right. So, Greg, um, let's take a break for a second. Uh, speaking of Russia, uh, let's take a break for just a second. So I want to update folks on our Leveraging Logistics for Ukraine initiative. Now, we yeah. know we've talked at length about the great work that Enrique Alvarez, Maureen uh, Wolschlager, that whole team at Vector Global Logistics is doing um, with this Ukraine humanitarian aid initiative. Their latest development, one of the things we're working on now, Greg, is they're um, getting letters written. Do you remember back? Um, it doesn't happen as often these days, but remember back in the 80s, you check the mailbox, you get something from somebody written to you, and it's really special, right? I, I mean, I remember that feeling time and time again. I look forward yeah. to getting the mail every day. So along those lines, they are creating, leading this letter writing campaign to get letters to Ukrainian school children, you know, letters of support, like some of these examples here. So if you want to participate, we've got the link there in the chat. Y'all can check that out. Um, I'm, we're reaching out to see if our teachers can maybe help uh, get their students to write letters. So y'all check that out. Or in general, if you're interested in kind of getting a sense of everything that this initiative um, has got its hands in and the outcomes it's driving, over 500,000 pounds of um, aid have already been shipped to Ukraine, Poland, and the region. Uh, And what drives that are these monthly planning meetings. So November 15th, 11 a.m. is the next one. And we've got the link for that in the chat as well. Greg, your thoughts around the program, the letter writing campaign, you name it. Yeah, I wish we could put military personnel in those things and send them over there and just (laughs) end the (laughs) Russia problem. Yeah. no, I think this is an incredible cause. Look, we've contributed to this thing a tremendous amount, and Enrique and his team, and Maureen and and the rest of the team have been um, very active, super gracious. And even if you just want to tune in and watch or learn about what's happening or what's going on, and there's also, I believe he says his name, Gregosh in in uh, Poland, who has I don't I don't know that he's not or that he's still not working, but he basically left his technology company to um, manage all of this because so many Ukrainian uh, people have have migrated to 
Poland and other right. countries all around there. Um, look, it's, I mean, even if, even if all you do is get on there and get ideas, it is really a valuable, uh, valuable time to sit in on these calls. And if you want to give, uh, you should reach out to the folks at Vector because you will be astounded at how affordable it is to fund a, um, fund a container to go over there. Just the container itself. They're getting right. all of the materials that go in it, right? But, I mean, if you want to pool some money, with, you could probably do it with some golfing buddies or some pickleball buddies. <laughs> <That's> and, <right. laughs> I mean, it's, that, it's really reasonable. Yep. Really very reasonable thanks to the generosity of a couple of big characters. So, folks, jump in, join in wherever you can, you know, and, and if you can't give right right now, no matter how small or how big, hey, join us for the planning session on November 15th, and we've got a link to that for more information there in the chat. So thank you, Greg, for your comments. It is a, I tell you, it's, it's um, supply chain with a purpose, logistics with a purpose. I mean, it's uh, the, the outcomes they're driving is just remarkable. All right. So, uh Greg, you asked, and Daniel uh, Daniel has provided that article about the, the new U.S. national defense strategy, so y'all check that out. Um, also, Gary dropped a great read uh, in the New York Times about the railroad industry, and I agree. I saw that earlier, Gary, so good stuff there. All right, so Greg, we are now going to talk China. So let me tee this up, and I'm dying to get your take here. So interesting story, again, from CNBC. According to there, they have a supply chain heat map, Greg, kind of like the uh, your um, your algorithm you've got uh, with shipping uh, vessels. So China is losing manufacturing and export volume share, uh, export market share to a variety of its Asian neighbors. We're talking volume in sectors such as clothing, accessories, footwear, furniture, office technology, to name a few. Countries making big gains include Vietnam, Malaysia, Bangladesh. India and Taiwan, and the chief reason cited uh, for China's volume losses, market share losses, is its zero COVID policy. Uh, and the article really speaks a lot about what Vietnam has been doing. In fact, they're investing heavily in um, their infrastructure to handle and grow the volumes. Fascinating. But Greg, uh, your thoughts here? Good riddance. Um, my, <laughs> I, you know, you know, I have always believed that China is nobody's friend. Truly, nobody's friend. I mean, they're. Xi Jinping has just been elected, you know, and if he hadn't been elected, he would have found a new electorate and <laughs> off the old one. Uh, but he's been reelected by the party to run what is effectively a lifetime term for him. Um, so he has nothing to lose and everything to gain. He has an aging populace. He has billions of dollars lost in cities that will never be occupied. I don't know if anyone has ever seen this, but they have a number of cities around the country that will never, ever have an occupant. Mm. Their uh, production capacity continues to dwindle as they're, as because of, of COVID, because of people moving to alternative and more uh, ethical organizations. They still have an enormous slavery problem in mm. Xinjiang province regardless of their denials. Um, it seems like only the NBA still supports China. So mm. um, <laughs> um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure uh, about the details of their econ economic issues, but they are substantial and they do put tremendous pressure to be more aggressive. So this 
potentially destabilizes and accelerates the takeover of Taiwan, which is now inevitable because um, not just this, not just this administration, but because U.S. administrations have folded to China because they hold they you know hold so much over us in terms of owning debt and and sourcing for the supply chain. But get this. I just so happened to have had a discussion with a few chief supply chain officers who I'm going to paraphrase in my terms, but without the uh, implied profanity, I think they feel equally, equally um, emphatic to this. And I think there are a lot of companies developing a China policy when, (laughs) when it comes to how do we source goods, right? They want to get out of China a lot of com- a lot of companies talking about obviously Southeast Asia, which China could also choose to colonize at any time, and they have absolutely no defense. None of those countries do. Um, but also India. Now India has its own, I know, deeply denied, but its own slavery problem. In fact, mm. eighteen times more slave, arguably defined as slaves by our our friends at Hope for Justice and other organizations than even the Xinjiang province, but they are an ethical and more democratic uh, political system and generally uh, leadership um, style. So I I think we're going to see a lot of companies looking towards India for more, um, you know, for more production assistance because they are the only population on the planet that could even remotely approach the number of of factory workers and labor is still heavily required. The number of factory workers are the, are the amount of production capacity that China can. Yep, I have to tell you, we're much much better doing business with India than doing business with China. I think we all would. I mean, you you can see it every day, right? Yep. I think by 2030, India uh, India's population is going to be surpassing uh, China's population. How about that? I think it's yeah, as early well, as 2030. The one child policy, right? Which were almost all boys because they gave the girls away to us mm. in the states. Mm. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's now inevitable. In, mm. in fact, I think for at least a generation, population decline is inevitable in yep. in China. So. Lots of interesting stuff. I mean, that does unfortunately make them more dangerous as they become a less important economic um, force. Mm. It does make them more dangerous. Mm. All right. So thank you, Greg, for uh, your commentary there. We also dropped the uh, link to the article um, in the cheap seats. Y'all check that out. All right. So, Greg, we're going to bring it. We went, uh, we're kind of going around the world a little bit here. Uh, today we're going to bring it home to uh, another interesting um yeah right back to the midwest right. here we go it is it's it's fascinating to see what's taking place here <clears throat> excuse me so i want to give a quick update on the mississippi river water levels from our friends at i think i'm gonna say this right natchez 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 democrat the the natchez democrat newspaper is where this story comes from so as we've chatted about in recent weeks the mighty mississippi well, it's approaching historic water levels that were uh, set back in 1988, I believe. Um, it's been highly disruptive, as you might imagine, to barge traffic. Now, that might be in the blind spot for a lot of folks. Um, but not only in, as you see here, 
the traffic navigating upstream and downstream, but even more challenging is uh, getting them docked, right? Because of naturally where docks are and how, where the water is receding you know, from. So shipping costs, as you might imagine, Greg, has been astronomical, the increases. And barge mm-hmm. capacity, the barges that can move, have been impacted as well because they can't load them uh, as full, right? Right, so, because they're run too deep. Right, right. And one last thing here, because um, I think this really, this little nugget I've been sharing with folks. So this is a 15-barge uh, assembly or wh- whatever they call it, a 15-barge uh, tow, probably. So this capacity on that 15-barge tow um, equals over 900 tractor trailers. Goodness gracious. Wait, did you say each barge? No, no, no. The 15, the, oh, the, whole, yeah, tow. the whole tow. 900. 900. How about that? So we got to keep this going. We're all praying for rain. Um, but it's, one last point, Greg, and get your thoughts. In the article, again, this is from uh, the Natchez Democrat. They talked about how for the last 10 years, it's been high water levels that they've had to has been the primary challenge, right? So uh, your thoughts there, Greg? The mighty Mississippi, right? Uh, I was just talking to someone who is a resident of Minnesota, and they said even in in Minneapolis, the Mississippi, or around Minneapolis, the Mississippi starts with a series of, of tiny, tiny little creeks that are literally about inches or feet wide, thousands of them. And many of them have run completely dry because the snow melt wow. um, has, you know, has ceased or springs, whatever. I don't know. They're fed a, a number of different ways, um, but they're experiencing a drought up there as well. So, um, you know, it starts right at the top of the river and there is to your point, 900 tractor trailers. There's no practical way to do that. I don't know how many grain hauling trailers there are in the country. I bet somebody out there in our audience does, but I'm not sure you could deploy them all at once um, in any way. So this will continue to be a limitation. Um, it's funny, Scott, I went to the doctor for an annual uh, uh, visit to my doctor and he said, you might, you, you ought to get on a keto diet blah, blah, blah. It, it'll make you feel better because there's too much gluten and wheat and all those things now. Right. Yep. And, uh, I'm thinking maybe we all ought to consider a, a keto diet because with the limitations placed on us by um, Russia, though they did release several ships, there's now no promise from Russia that they'll allow Ukraine grain stores to, to be released across and, and to sail across the black sea. They've withdrawn from that agreement. And this, getting grain is going to be very difficult. Even when the grain exists, it's going to be very difficult to get it to the factories where it can be processed. Right. Maybe now is a time to go keto. Yeah. Reducing your your flour grain intake. Um, That's an interesting thought. We're going to ponder that. Uh, Well, I mean, what, what do we say, Scott? The, the more you know, the, the consumer is the beginning and the end of the supply chain. Ah, uh, yes. Right? If we consume less of this, then less of it has to move. The prices go down as demand goes down. Um, so you know, it might be time to to think about that. And let me tell you, coming from someone like me, you know, it's very painful to say reducing bread right as part of my diet, right? Regardless of what the Bible says, 
this man could live on bread alone. Um, <laughs> but I try not to. So uh, I, I'm actually getting fairly conscious about that. I can't say really? that I'm really committed yet, but well, yeah, I was thinking about it because they were talking about they were talking about food shortage, global food shortage. And every time they talk about global food shortage, they talk about grains. Now, not everybody has the opportunity to eat other products, right? Some, some people, that's all they eat is, is grains or, you know, wheat products and that sort of thing. So that that's going to be a struggle. But for those of us who do have the option that does leave those grains for those people who predominantly depend on those things. It's a thought. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Check out this comment that Natalie just shared. Natalie says, this has happened before and will again. How many next generation supply chain professionals are gaining the experiences of these situations on U.S. waterways? Excellent comment. There's a lot of that. I was thinking about that um, as well. There, there are a lot of things that haven't happened in the um, working lifetimes of of some of these younger generations, right. but they have happened before, right. right? This isn't the end of the world. 1988 was a long time ago, Scott, right. but we were alive then. Yes, that's fine. And, uh, <laughs> I guess we were. Um, um, we New Coke, I think, was alive then as well. Um, so, uh, quick comment, and, and, and I see, hey, my mom is back in the audience. Mom, you make a great point there, but I'm going to get to Gary's first Greg, that may be good for the West, but there are billions in developing countries that rely on grain. Yeah. That's a good point. Exactly Gary. the point I was making. If we if we consume less of it, it then it frees it up. Limited amount yeah. becomes more available to those to those. Yeah, that's a great point, Gary. Uh, and gluten free food, as my mom Leah Luton shares, the pride of Aiken, South Carolina, uh, quite expensive, unfortunately. Also awful. Yeah, <laughs> it is also awful. That's right. Um, except for um, things like what did I have? Cauliflower, cauliflower pizza. pizza yeah, crust okay. Is actually edible. Okay, right. But what I'm saying is maybe you eat less or no. I mean, maybe you still eat foods that have gluten in them, right? But just less of it, or or none of it. That's right. Options, options. Uh, right. All right. Well, Greg, we have. Uh, it's been a very efficient supply chain buzz here today. We have gotten through. Uh, five stories, some announcements, lots of input from everybody in, in the cheap seats, and it's only 12.51 p.m. Eastern time. So how right. about that? Um, Might have time for a sandwich. That's, that's right. Well, hey, Greg, uh, kidding aside, though, um, when you think about everything we, we chat through here today, uh, everything else that's going on out there, of course, there's only so much we can get into uh, a 50-minute discussion. Um, what is one thing that uh, you think supply chain professionals that may be listening to this need to keep in mind between the ears, front and center. What would that be, Greg? Yeah, I think while we talk about disruptions and shortages and, um, and um, cost escalations and instability and all of these things, you have to remember one thing, and that is there is abundance in the universe, mm. right? None of this is a zero some game. Uh, I mean, we have had huge global famines before where people survive that. We have to think creatively, just like we talked about with the very first article, right. Scott, maybe synthetics for some of these destructive energy sources or energy storage sources. 
um, you know, things like that. We have to think creatively. And it's really in these times of struggle, and they are, and they will continue to come. Um, but a lot, as you know, as we've talked about, a lot of people have not faced anything but the 13-year, 20-year bull market that we've had. Uh, we've had this incredible abundance for some time. We're going to see a pullback for a while. We're going to see some instability and disruption and shortages, but but we'll adapt. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about the human condition is humans are very adaptable. We are the least, by the way, the least well-equipped of all beings on the planet to survive for as long as we have. We have no hair all over our bodies to keep us warm, right? right? We don't hibernate and slow our bodies in the wintertime to conserve energy and food, any of those things, right? We get, we go to places where we get sunburned, right? Instead of staying in the shade, if we're pale people, right? Um, We do all these, we have all these inadequacies and idiocies, (laughs) And yet somehow we managed to survive. So it's a lot about the creativity. It's a lot about the intellect. It's a lot about Gloria Gaynor uh, coming together as well to, you know, to solve these issues. You're channeling some Gloria, Gloria Gaynor, I believe. Isn't she the one that's saying, I will survive? Uh, it's going to be just fine. Yeah, it's going to be just fine. Man, that's a whole, there's a, there, that, that goes beyond the generations that are watching now as well, right. except for a few people out here. Right? <laughs> all right. Hey, Marion, thanks for the feedback. We appreciate it. Uh, great to have all of y'all with us here today. Hey, Shelly says she's been keto for over five years. Maybe y'all have to uh, compare notes there, Greg. Yeah, I, I could use some recipes for sure. <laughs> Natalie says 1988 was just yesterday. I'm with you. Darn skippy, Natalie. How in the world? Um, Catherine's talking about being also being gluten-free, but rarely by replacements. I just go without the product that generally has gluten in them. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. And one final one. Where was it? Uh, well, I lost it. But regardless, hey, great to have everybody here. Really, you know, our favorite part of the buzz beyond our conversations and, and learning from all, you know, fellow hosts and guests is all the folks that uh, share their insights in the cheap seats. So y'all keep that coming. Folks, on behalf of our entire Supply Chain Now team, Greg, always a pleasure knocking out these episodes with you. Yeah, likewise. Um, have a wonderful and most importantly, safe Halloween. Um, make sure that all negotiations dealing with Halloween candy are handled fairly and uh, all disputes go to arbitration. Uh, don't fill right. up our courts uh, with Halloween candy disputes, but whatever. Kidding aside, y'all have a great and safe and happy Halloween. You know, take this moment to unplug, spend some time with the family. Walk around the block and then steal their steal your kids' candy. But regardless, have a wonderful rest of your day. But most importantly, Greg, most importantly, we're challenging all of our listeners. Hey, it's all about deeds, not words. Do good. Give forward and be the change that's needed. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.